Namaste. So we take a poem today, The Rose of God. This poem is a poem, one of the poems which Shurabindo just sent it straight away after writing it. It didn't need any, any further corrections or looking into it. And its meter is the same, what is known as hexameter. Now the interesting part is, hexameter is originally a Latin and Greek meter and it's uh, very difficult to put it in English. Because now a meter is how many feet? So hexa means six footed. And um, it's uh, like, you know, two lines, they, will, they can be broken into six different parts. And the breaking of parts will depend upon how much stress you give on a particular syllable. So it makes it not easy even to conceptualize. Normally we have doha and chopayaj, you know, like in Hindi, two footer or four footer. But six footer is very difficult. Hardly any poet in English language has accomplished it. Poets like Matthew Arnold, they have tried it. And Shurabindo, of course, Ilion, Ahana and Rose of God and a few other poems. Uh, it's something amazing. Second is this poem does have a Greek touch, not only because this meter originated in Greece, but also we'll see that um, Greece and Persian, you know, this uh, um, rose, someone had asked Shurabindo in 1930s, Parichanda, who used to look after the garden. So he had asked Shurabindo that um, what is rose a symbol of? And Shurabindo wrote a very interesting letter in which he says, rose was not originally in India, it came from Persia. And it is a symbol of love and surrender. So if you see mother's explanation of rose, all of them except one is surrender. The country rose, which is probably the one which came from Damascus. So we have a reference to Damascus is surrender, otherwise all others are love for the divine, different types of passionate love for the divine, mental love for the divine, flaming love for the divine, and so on and so forth. Integral love for the divine, the white rose. So, rose has that special place. And why is it called love? I have wondered that, you know, what is the symbol about love with rose? So, this is purely my own um, you know, feeling or intuitive feeling. That in a, you see, rose grows on thorns. So, in a world which is so thorny, perhaps love is the only, <laughs> only flower that can give joy. I mean, it is the bringer of joy, it is the giver of beauty. So, um, uh, so, rose, you know, growing on thorns, uh, at least to me, it appears as a symbol of love in that sense also. It's also that when life is full of thorns, then what saves you is surrender. So again, rose is a symbol of surrender and love. But in Rose of God, Shurabindu says, he speaks about the original bloom, which is the splendor of the heavens. Heavens here is not the mental worlds, but the supramental world, which he wants to plant here. So here I have a story that just as Sri Krishna planted Parijat, which is the aspiration tree from the heavens. Uh, Shurabindu has planted the rose, the splendor of the rose from the higher worlds into this world. Now, this poem reveals in a way what Shurabindu's basic yoga is about. Now, yoga we know is about union with the divine, but this union is sought for, for a liberation, either from the darkness of ignorance, the original sense of the word moksha implies that, freedom from ignorance. But over a period of time, this freedom from ignorance became synonymous with a freedom from the cycle of births and deaths and rebirths. And the reason was that people believed that 
This world can never be changed. It's like a dog's crooked tail. So you can't change it. So once you are freed from ignorance, you must know that this is error. This is ignorance. Whosoever error is it. And escape from it into a state of silence, into nirvana, into mukti, by dropping off the, by exhausting the shesh karma. This is the theory in, uh, celebrated in traditions. But obviously it makes a nonsense, not only of this world, but of the creator and of the human aspiration, which is always towards perfection of this world. So, here in Rose of God, we see that Shurabindo is, uh, in this poem, through this poem, there is an invocation. So, it's a very mantric poem, where there is also an invocation of that greater light, greater beauty, greater bliss upon earth for mankind. This is Shurabindo's yoga. And its characteristic differentiation is this, that in traditional yoga, the aim sought for is, Freedom from the cycle of death and birth from this sphere which is a sphere of sorrow into another sphere which is a sphere of bliss. But in this yoga, it is this sphere which is full of sorrow and suffering. This has to be transmuted. And the logic behind it is that because it has also emerged from creator. When we say it has come out from the, God, from the divine, when we say that the divine is in every particle, then why does it remain so imperfect. So the whole aspiration is to make this home, this place perfect, even as the worlds beyond are perfect. So it's um, the basic aspiration which is beautifully we find here. As I said, this is not an easy meter to read and I am not going into the uh, perfections of the poetry, its style, the dactyles and the spondy and the trochies. That's not the that's for a different kind of, uh, you know, audience. Our joy is not to analyze the waters of the Ganges, but to drink it and relish it, enjoy it, and be refreshed by it. So that is why, you know, there is a way of approaching poetry where you go into technicalities. So I feel it's like taking a water from the Ganges and analyzing it and saying, you know, this water is free of germs, this water is <laughs> free of this, <laughs> just to enjoy it. And again, it's, as I said, it's very difficult to really read it in the right way. So please don't take my reading as the right way. So I'm not sure, I've not heard anybody read this poem. So I can't say what is the perfect way because it needs stress on each syllable like rose. So if you stress on O, that's how it comes. So it's a difficult meter. But nevertheless, the beauty of the poetry can be enjoyed just as we can take a dip in the Ganges without really analyzing the contents. So here it goes, Rose of God. And we see here, one, two, three, four, five passages. And in each passage, first Shurabindu is describing something about this splendor. First two lines he'll describe something of the splendor about this Rose of God. And then in the next two lines, he's invoking it in our life. So each of the Stanzas is about an aspect of the one divine which is needed for earth in different parts of a being. And since it is, um, you know, about love, it starts with that. Love and bliss. Rose of God. Rose of God. Vermilion stain on the sapphires of heaven. So vermilion stain is the morning glory of the sun. Red. So it is like the Sindur on the Matha. Vermilion or the Bindi. So vermilion stain on the sapphires of heaven. So we don't know what is hidden in the sky at night. 
We see stars, but what is hidden inside? Then comes the splendor which is hidden inside. So it's beautiful symbol of the vermilion. Now vermilion has another sense also. It is this color vermilion is super mind touching earth. So this is the uh, the color that you get by that is vermilion. So it is the first thing that appears like the blush in the heavens. So sapphire is the blue and the vermilion is the reddish gold color of the sun in the morning. Rose of God, vermilion stain on the sapphires of heaven. Rose of bliss, the sweet, fire sweet, seven tinged with the ecstasy seven. Rose of bliss, fire sweet, seven tinged with the ecstasy seven. So these seven ecstasies, Shurabindu describes uh, at two places. One is of course the ecstasy seven are the seven kind of beatitudes on you know all the planes of existence. There is something of the ecstasy that supports this creation. And that is the sevenfold ecstasy. But he also describes at one place in one of his aphorisms. And he says the seven ecstasies that a mortal can experience while in this body. And if you can experience it, then you don't need anything. You have the emancipation greater than the Vedantins. And that's a beautiful aphorism. If you know somebody takes out, I'll read it. Discipleship to God the teacher, sonship to God the father. So like that it goes on. So it is the sevenfold ecstasies, beatitude that one can experience within the human body. It's the sevenfold relation with the divine. So these are the seven ecstasies. Now first two have described this bliss. And then leap up in our heart of humanhood. Oh miracle, oh flame, passion flower of the nameless, bud of the mystical name. So now in the next two lines we see he is invoking this bliss in human hearts. So this bliss we are seeking outside. Oh bliss who ever dwellest deep hid within while men seek the outside and never find. So we don't find this bliss outside. And the more people seek it outside, through whatever means, it's extreme example, people seeking happiness outside, extreme darkness is through drugs. And <coughs> very interestingly, one of the drugs, they actually use the word ecstasy. It's strange that, you know, because when you don't, you are deprived of something. So you are seeking it outside in partying, in, you know, relationships, in money and everything. But it's inside as a bud. So if it blooms, then we don't seek it outside. So he is invoking this bliss, this flame to bloom in the heart. So this is also the psychic being, the same truth. It is folded here as a bud. So it must bloom into the image of this rose. Bud of the mystical name, rose of God. Great wisdom bloom on the summits of being. So the second aspect, first is bliss, then it is wisdom. So he is uh, speaking of this rose of wisdom on the summits of being. Rose of light, immaculate core of the ultimate seeing. So there are levels of seeing. You know, very often people use this phrase, seeing is believing, what you see is true. Alright, but is the sight true? <laughs> Our sight is woven by tissues of falsehood. Coats of falsehood. So what do we see? We see what we are shown by the senses. 
And these senses are woven through an animal evolution. So what we see is not true. If we really want seeing to be true, we must develop that original sight. That original sight is Suryo Yatha Sarvalokasya Chakshu Nalipyati Chakshushe Bayadosha. So you see, it has two meanings. This phrase is uh, from the Kathopanishad, is normally explained in this way Suryo Yatha Sarvalokasya Chakshu Nalipyati Chakshushe Bayadosha. Means whatever you do, it is not unstained by that. It also means something else. That it sees the truth regardless of what it appears to our eyes as dosh. Because it can see right into the heart of the mystery. Nalipyate loka dukhin vaya is the next verse. It's about the antaratma. So this is the highest seeing, the core of seeing. How the divine sees this creation, that is wisdom. Wisdom has nothing to do with reading books. I mean reading books is a preparation of the mind. It has nothing to do even with the aha phenomena, some nice good feeling, <laughs> nice kind of wisdom is to reclaim the sight of the divine within us. Short of it, there are levels of sight. There are different kinds of seeing, even intuitive seeing is there, is seeing of the higher mind, seeing of the illumined mind, revelatory seeing. But the ultimate seeing is the seeing of the divine and that is what here is called as wisdom. And that is the light in the core of the divine. Now that light is being invoked for the mind. Now we have, you know, the traditional Gayatri Mantra. It's about making this mind illumined. And Shurabindu's Gayatri, in Shurabindu's Gayatri, what is, he, uh, what is the difference? So you have Om Bhurvaswa Tat Savitur Varenyam, the auspicious form, Bhargo Devasyadhi Mahi, Dhyo Yonaha Prachodhyat. And what is Shurabindu's Gayatri? Om Tat Savitur Varam Rupam Jyotihi Parasyadhimahi Yannaha Satyena Deepay so The difference is, he is, see this light itself, even in Supermind there are levels of light. So he speaks of the most auspicious Varam Rupam. I want the most auspicious, the most true. Shurabindu in one of his letters in 1920, see what is like a scientist he has worked. And he says that I am beginning to rise only in the first layers of the supermind after 10 years of yoga. Intense yoga. I mean, 10 years of yoga after he has had Vasudevam Sarvamiti. For somebody else, that would be the end of yoga. But he says that I am able to rise, but I want perfect perfection. No error. He doesn't want any possibility of error. Even in the overmind, which is so high, the home of the great gods, there can be error. But he wants perfect perfection. So that is the light he is invoking now for the mind of man. Look at these two lines. Live in the mind of our earthhood. That wisdom should make this home. Cool. Not cool. Because the brain will shatter. That's what Yagnaval told Gargi. If you ask on what is the self woven, your brain will break into thousand pieces. Why? Because our brain is not ready to receive this light. That's why when we read Shurabindo, what is the first reaction? We fall asleep. We cannot remain awake in that light. There is a reason for it. You know, in the Upanishad, the fourfold Brahman, you have the Jagrat Avastha. Jagrat Avastha information, newspaper. Oh, there is a bomb blast there. See how everybody is glued, understands all the WhatsApp message. WhatsApp is getting banned. All this you understand. Jagrat Avastha. Swapna Avastha. You see something in dream, half remember, half not. Then there is Susupti. What is Susupti? Excess of light. 
we can't remain awake ever noticed when you wake up in the morning tremendous light you will close your eyes you can't remain awake in that light so we go into susupti and beyond it is turiya the beyond so he is invoking this wisdom for the earth in savitri there is a passage where uh, shobindo asks i mean ashwapati says ask the mother i want that light already he knows this light comes not by struggle or by thought in the mind silence the transcendent acts now she cautions him that if this truth comes down to earth man is too weak to bear the infinite's weight so a long journey is required people often say why doesn't god change this world suddenly it's like you know it's almost like saying a child is born in the house why is he not growing up and doing medicine why is he not flying the plane and people start beating him with a lathi grow up grow up two days are passed you have not yet grown up because i thought that you will fly a plane it doesn't happen like that there are steps and stages that's why the journey is long but the end is beautiful so this is how wisdom he is invoking live in the mind of our earthhood oh golden mystery flower sun on the head of the timeless guest of the marvelous are only for a brief moment the splendor comes and goes because the earth cannot contain it so that's why it is a marvelous guest but it is on the head of the timeless wisdom the highest aspect <coughs> rose of god the mask force of infinity red icon of might so you see there are three things rose of god damask damask comes from the it is sometimes the short form of damascus damascus was the capital of syria at one point of time it was the cultural capital of the entire arab world some of shirvindus plays are you know based in syria and so rose also came from persia so now damask force so damascus is famous for two things and the four five things but one of them is of course rose but more commonly it is famous for its sword of steel so damascus steel damascus steel whenever you it's like a standard like you you have standard for gold so the standard for the sword of steel was damascus at one point of time so you know you'll sometimes see these dialogues in history where somebody from damascus brings a sword and there are chandragupta he says oh is it is it really so strong so it was famous for that so force of infinity so it's not enough that we have wisdom wisdom without force will be ineffective this is the mistake that vedanta did it brought wisdom though not the highest wisdom but not force that's why in savitri towards the end death tells savitri wisdom is with thee but do you have the strength the force because the forces will not yield without the force and red red is typically the color of force you see durga the java kusum red and red is also the color of shiva the mother speaks of it she says that you know shiva had come so she describes shiva and he says red his color is that because red is the color of force you know the moment you see some people cannot uh, take red color because it's too much for them Uh, in medical college invariably one or two people when they see blood they used to faint It's tremendous power force in it so is the symbol of force so red icon of might rose of god 
Damask force of infinity, the ultimate force. Here Damask is being used in that sense. Red icon of might, rose of power, with thy diamond halo piercing the night. Again you see diamond. What is the beauty of diamond? Not only its light. Diamond is the hardest substance found on earth. That's why the famous saying only diamond can cut a diamond. <laughs> so it is the hardest substance, the sharpest you can make out of diamond. That's why sometimes, you know, people, even diamond nips which do not break precisely because it's, it's, a, it's something unbreakable. So a force which nothing can break. But it, it is not just force, it is one with light. And it can pierce the darkest night. So that's why even Shurabindu speaks of and the mother speak of the ultimate certitude of victory. What is the basis? This is the basis. Because supramental force is that force. Its action is going to be irresistible. When mother was asked what about this problem, that problem. She said it will use everything for the purposes of the new creation. Wars, Corona, this, that. Everything it will use for the purposes of the new creation. Because it's that force which can enter into the night and show what is hidden there. And that is one reason why if you really see from 60s this process started after supramental manifestation. But it's picked up momentum, 80s, 90s, now more and more. Everything is getting exposed. Whatever was hidden, people often say, world has gone bad. No, all this was always there. It's not something new, but it was buried under the force of falsehood. Now it is coming out. You can't hide anything. Not for long. So if things are hidden, please open it and offer it to the divine. <laughs> With the divine there is safety. It's not that jagarkar. <laughs> but offer it to the divine inwardly. That's because we are living in a world where nothing can remain hidden for long. And with passage of time, it is going to come more and more. Because it's the action of the supermind into the densest night. Nothing can remain hidden. So that force is describing that rose of God as that. And then he is aspiring for the mortal. A blaze in the will of the mortal. So what is it in us that holds this force? It is will. That's why... In our whole education system, you see what is the biggest problem. It's all knowledge-oriented. Whatever limitations of knowledge, but even that, knowledge-oriented. There is no love in it and there is no will in it. We are never taught how to exercise our will. Except when the teachers told us that, you know, copy it ten times. Now even that is gone because everything is on computer, no? Click button. Do a project. Dad, please do it for me. Click button. All everything comes. Google Baba will give you. So there is no will involved. And will ultimately is so important in life. Without will one cannot do anything. So we see that will is missing. Love is missing. All these aspects of the divine are missing through the education process. Now this will must be able to hold this force. This force is one with light. Our will cannot. Why? Because our will is uh, distorted into desires. I want this, I want that. But God's will doesn't act according to our own preferences. It acts according to its own light, like Sri Krishna. What was the will of Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra? Arjuna was saying goody goody things. But Sri Krishna says, what, Who are you? What is your will? So he says, Kalosmi Bhava. I am time, death, the destroyer. Oh, what have you come here? What is your will here? What are you doing here? Will you play the flute? Do you expect that suddenly you will play the flute and all Duryodhana and everybody will get converted and start dancing to you? 
इस इज नो लोक अक्षय कृत प्रवर्दो आई हैव कम हियर टू डिस्ट्रॉय दीज पीपल दिस इज द विल ऑफ गॉड इन द बैटल फील्ड ऑफ कुरुक्षेत्र हाउ आर वी टू अंडरस्टैंड इट वी हैव लॉट ऑफ प्रेफरेंसेज इवन इंटेलेक्चुअल प्रेफरेंसेज दिस दैट आइडियाज ओपिनियंस व्यू पॉइंट्स बट द विल ऑफ गॉड कैन एक्ट इन वेज विच इज बियॉन्ड आर रेकनिंग सो विल ऑफ गॉड a blaze in the will of the mortal let this fire this force a blaze in the will of the mortal design the wonder of thy plan this will has only one purpose to execute the original divine plan without preference without desires because actually <laughs> if you try idhar udhar haath paon maar ke ultimately it is the, that will which will triumph mother says in one of her messages no human will can finally prevail against the divine will naturally so samajhdari kis mein what is it the most wise thing to do let your will be done because human will the only use of human will is to align it with that will then it becomes all powerful those who have aligned with that will their action becomes so powerful that's why at one place shubindra says the yogin is no spent of force we normally think of yogin who is withdrawn from the world he is a tremendous you know his action can be so tremendous and powerful look at shurbindo look at shri krishna two examples of yogis whose action is so powerful shri krishna whether he gave the geeta or the battlefield of kurukshetra or the you know gopis the dwarka and so many exploits of shri krishna and you see again shurbindo what powerful action that the entire british empire recognized that he is the epicenter of the collapse and shurbindo they dragged him to the court and the british empire collapsed it was like the last act that's how he was taken no to the alipur jail through false charges of sedition and you see the entire british empire and the collapse is not yet over brexit is going on because <laughs> it's unleashed by the will of god that's all so that will can be so powerful look at shurbindo's action even in his writings and the many creations which through the mother we see i mean this is the real yogin of ancient india not yogins who are sitting and always meditating lolling with nice uh, you know belly and giving nice lectures and looking for that jalebi which is in the dish and the chadhava which is coming this is not yoga of india indian yogins were like you know krishna bhishma arjuna he is a yogin he is that's why he calls him the fair one lord rama what he he had realized the brahman at an age of 16 look at how he fights the great battle rajdharma and of course we have the example in shobindran the mother of yogins of yogins this is the original yoga force of god design the wonder of thy plan image of immortality outbreak of the godhead in man now you see the force is being what does force do it doesn't come slowly okay i'll illumine your mind nothing when force comes in it trams like kali mahakali so outbreak so when it suddenly comes from the sun suddenly there is must have noticed no that in the morning there is that nice cozy sun nicely we click pictures and suddenly there is an outbreak you can't look at it straight outbreak of the godhead in man rose of god smitten purple with the incarnate divine desire rose of life crowded with petals colors lyres so now he is talking of the 
life. Life's origin is divine. It's the consciousness. Consciousness force of the divine that has become life. That's why it can be transformed. So Shivinder is used very beautifully. Divine desire. Life. He peopled the spaces with his with life. But all its origin is there. And so beautifully when he describes life, look at the perfection. Smitten purple with the incarnate divine desire, rose of life crowded with petals. One of the characteristics of life is it's manifold. Life can never be acres. It needs change. It needs differences. It needs multiplicity. By its nature, life is like that. Teeming with countless things. So, crowded with petals, colors, lyre. Now you see, lyre is a musical instrument. And Shubhinda is combining sight and sound. If you look at the different colors, slight change of colors in a petal, lyre. Why is using the word lyre? Because it, it's so harmonious. There are differences like a musical note and yet they are so harmoniously blending with each other. Many, many colors. That's how life images itself. And he's asking that life for the human body. Transform the body of the mortal like a sweet and magical rhyme. Right now it is all broken. Hand is saying something and feet is saying something else. <laughs> Head is somewhere else and the heart is in another gati. So that's why we have diseases because there is a state of utter disharmony in the different parts of a being. But it should become a musical rhyme. See it has two connotations. One is within. All the rhythms of the body must be in perfect harmony. And all the different, different, each part, you know, all the... Different possibilities of life are there in the human body. There is thought, there is feeling, there is impulsion, there is instinct, there is every, all kinds of activities. Even desire, all these are there in the human body. And they have to be in perfect sync. Otherwise they will be breakdown. So if one is driven by desire, then it irritates organs. The second level is that this has to be in rhythm with the universal. So one can't say my life the way I want to lead it. By all means... It will lead you to the doctor eventually. And the doctor, he'll build a nice house. Nothing wrong with that. Doctors also have their own greed. But life must become inwardly and outwardly tuned. It should become like a beautiful poem. Poem of delight. Because life is meant for joy, for power, for expansion. It's the nature of life to expand and it should be full of joy. But each expansion tends to create a disharmony. So he's using this. Transform the body of the mortal like a sweet and magical rhyme. Bridge our earthhood and heavenhood. Make deathless the children of time. So earthhood and heavenhood. We are leading life in a very small bandwidth. All the life that we know of initially is the life of my family. Then it extends a little more and includes some fellow humans who speak the same language. Then ideology, then earth. But then we go to the next level. If we are in America, it will be life of aliens. But they are not included. They are enemies. Or we start taking life of animals and plants as our own life of earth. Then we extend it to gods, the titans, all life. So this bridge between earth and heaven means life must reclaim all these portions. We should live as the gods. That's how the other day we were reading in... Ahana, no? That's why the fall took place. 
This is the reason. Once we have chosen to be as the gods, we must fulfill that motion. Otherwise we were innocent in the garden of Eden, nice sadhu bachas. But we tasted the fruit of knowledge and with that came good and evil. So we are here, struggling with good and evil. <laughs> Before mankind grew up like this, we were all comfortable in that Eden. Early humanity, wonderful paradise, you don't have to think what is right or wrong. But now it has come, but now we have to go beyond in the spontaneity of the gods. So what it means is to bridge heaven and earth is through that animal lives with the spontaneity of instincts. Man is struggling with knowledge. So he must reason out, no, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. From this we have to go to the spontaneity of the gods. Spontaneous knowledge, outpouring of knowledge. It's this intuition which can bridge our earthly life and the life divine there. So first this link must be forced Bridge our earthhood and heavenhood, make deathless the children of time. So be as the gods. The gods are immortal. But we cannot be immortal in that sense, but we can be deathless. We are children of time and yet we can reclaim the deathless state. The difference between deathless state and immortality. Immortality is a state of consciousness and we can arrive at that by discovering our soul or the infinity beyond. Deathless means that as we move through life, our body tends to fall backward and we don't realize it. Ever notice that, you know, there is a time passage which I think nobody may have uh, crossed that point. I have certainly <laughs> and some other. Where you want to run and you start running and you realize that, no, no, my joints don't really allow me. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> your consciousness is still like a young fellow. But your body is not able to cope up with that. So you have to Push yourself and then, you know, that's a different story. But it means, because the body is not able to keep pace, it becomes rigid, it is not able to follow the movement of the universal life. But if the body could follow, body tries, all the cells are destroyed and new cells come. Seven times this happens, number of times. But it's not enough. Still with each such replication, this falling backward. Each new cell born out of the old is like a little bit of error is introduced. But if it can perfectly flow with the same rhythm, then one can arrive at a deathless state. Perpetual change, but constant youth. So this is the make deathless the children of time. And finally, what is missing, we all know, without which life would be incomplete. We have bliss, we have wisdom, we have force and we have life. And the final thing is love. So now comes that rose of God, like a blush of rapture on eternity's face. He is Anandame. Why is Anandame? Because his heart is full of love. You want to understand who is in love and who is in not, you will see the joy on the face. So all those who are not exp- having love in their life, well, love is please not confined to man, woman, for God's sake, but any, any kind of love. You still see the face, all sorrow, dunya bar ka dukh. But any love, the highest is love for God, love of the divine. You see the glow that comes on the face. People who have bhakti in their heart, they're always full of joy because the highest expression of love. But even love, you you know, one of the treatment is prescribed for depression nowadays is to have a pet. 
So when you have a pet, what happens? Your love begins to flow. It won't flow for human beings. Two dangerous creatures. <laughs> Loving a human being means uh, it's a package. <laughs> Will he, won't he? Give me back the way I want it. So for some time you give, then you see, no, no, no. This is not the guy. Wrong choice. Dating was alright, but marriage didn't work. So let me turn elsewhere. But with an animal, poor fellow, you know, he is always... Even before you have given, he will give. Have a dog, you see the way dogs will love. Even when you really treat them not really well, the dog will still give you love, especially some breeds. Labs and Golden Spaniel, these breeds, and they really love. So when you have this, what happens when they love you, suddenly the heart opens, or even plant for that matter. In nature, love of nature. And that's why when, you know, one of the things that is advised to stabilize a marriage that is dwindling apart is to have a child. You know why? Because love is beginning to fade. The man has become too boring and the wife has become too much complaining. And you have a child. See, love bursts forth. And life saves, the, the child saves the marriage. Why? Because love opens. There are facts, you know, which you can observe, but the deeper reason is this. Unfortunate. Love should remain forever, but it doesn't because of the human limitations of the ego. But the child opens the door of love and such a door that it will continue. It's only a child. In human relationship, the only relation where your love can continue flowing is the child. And finally, of course, the love of God. Then there is no end because you are joined to infinity. So that love that brings rapture on the face. Rose of love, ruby depth of all being. This is what is lying in all everybody's being, in the ruby depths. What is hidden inside the being of everyone? Love. Core is love. Fire passion of grace. So grace and love are just two Shades of the same thing. What is the difference between grace and love? It's just that grace is there in creation universally which is helping things to progress. Love is the same grace which leans into the abyss to rescue it. The difference is very very marginal. It's a way that human consciousness experiences it. That's it. From the origin if you see it is love that has gone into but when it happens to human beings, we call it as grace. So that's the slight difference. So it is the grace, which is the ultimate truth, the mystery of existence, the supreme mystery, the mystery of mysteries. And at a human level, something that comes closest to love is gratitude. The mother says it's a, from the human point of view, it's a slightly modified love and it becomes gratitude in the human heart. And that's why in the human heart it's the finest flower, the finest expression. And only people with a developed psychic being have a gratitude. You can almost differentiate a human being with this quality. Not a show-off of gratitude, but somebody has having gratitude spontaneously, know that all said and done, something is blossomed inside. So rose of love, ruby depth of all being, fire passion of grace, arise from the heart of the yearning, that sobs in nature's abyss. All creation yearns for this grace and love. Sobs in the abyss. You see how it works. So people, why are we unhappy? We are unhappy because of separation. 
And what is that original separation which leads to loneliness is the separation from the divine. From the divine side, there is no real separation. But from the side of the experiencing consciousness here, there is separation. Which was needed for it to grow. You see, like a good parent will not be 24 hours present with a child. After a while, they say, go and experience life. So there, there are moments when the child doesn't know what to do. He's in the middle of the things and he calls for help, this, that. And then he knows that ultimately I can call my parent and he'll be there. So you see, the same way, this sense of separation was needed so that we can grow into the fullness of our divinity. But this sense of separation creates something very strange. The feeling of loneliness. This is the original loneliness where we feel separated from, from the divine. So we want to fill it. Fill it with flowers that are scentless as we read in Ahana. O mortal, thou hast filled thy longings with flowers that are scentless. So we try to fill it with activity, person, people, relationships. But original longing to <laughs> And actually we expect the other person to be God. Ask anybody. What is your expectation from the person whom you love? You should understand me. Who can understand you except God? <laughs> we ourselves don't understand ourselves. He must understand me. Then, unconditional love. Cool term nowadays. Give unconditional love. Don't expect unconditional love. Only God can love unconditionally. Because he is all the original splendor. So all the terms that you see in any relationship, we are seeking God. Only we don't know it. And poor fellow from whom you are expecting these things will be crushed under its weight. Treat human beings as humans. <laughs> don't treat them as God. Perfect understanding. Somebody who protects you wherever he is. And sometimes people will blame you. They will say, you were not there. How can you be there You know, all the time? You were not there when I was struggling. Not that deliberately somebody is not there. So this is something which, but through all these experiences are necessary in life so that we reach that grand point where we know that who is the eternal companion 24-7 with us. And then it becomes a living reality, not just some abstraction in the high heavens. So that is the love. When that love goes, then the abyss is healed. This abyss or the inconscient, only divine love can heal it. Mother was asked, what is that force that can make the adverse forces be converted? Adverse forces are the forces which oppose God's plan. Forces of night. So why are they opposing? There is a mystery to it. They want to hasten God to come to them. So by opposing, like Kansa is saying, Where is Krishna? I want to kill him. Where is Krishna? I want to kill him. So Krishna one day says, Okay, 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 fine. I have come. If Kansa did tapasya, I would have taken few lives. Not that this is a good way. <laughs> Not desirable. But the Asura does like that. I want to spoil God's plan. That's what the, was there in Ravana's intention. No, Shobindu in one of his aphorism notes it. That though Ravana apparently seemed to be having an enmity with, with God, but all the time his soul was in love and wanted to go back soon. This is the original story of Jai Bijay. So abyss is opposing God's plan. But by doing it, it is drawing the divine closer to itself. So God's plan is so perfect that if the asura becomes too much triumphant, yesterday I did a little WhatsApp, little chat I can share. Somebody said, what is happening? You know, all Hindus will, Hindus be wiped out and all that. You know, I listened. I said, no, no, it won't happen ever. So 
somebody and of course depravity of things utter darkness you know if you read durga how it is described on wikipedia in one of the blog pages i don't even want to mention it typical jnu style said see they are doing like this i said yeah that's how asuras have always done he says but if it succeeds hindus will be destroyed i said if a hindu believes that he'll be destroyed he is not a hindu anymore I said how i said because hinduism is one religion which teaches us that at the end the divine has the last word no asura has ever won it doesn't mean that we must sit and remain quiet we must do what we must do but always with the conviction it is the beauty of india that you have this wonderful phrase it's also there in our constitution you know what is written in the indian parliament this is the mantra for india mother gave this mantra as supreme lord eternal truth let us obey thee alone and live according to truth but it is written in sanskrit from shweta ashutar upanishad satyameva jayate india has the courage to say satyameva jayate nanritam satyena pantha vitato deviyana ultimately truth will win it will have the last word Uh, we see it always in cinema also how much ever villain may do <laughs> something will happen in the end <laughs> sometimes you know you just wonder sometimes you know that you know hero can't die <laughs> he is on the edge he is finished 10 bullets here there everywhere nah, nah, no no chance <laughs> and suddenly there is a prayer going on you know if it's a indian movie it'll be prayer in western movie it won't be prayer but it's like this strength suddenly you will see you're waiting for that moment when he'll get up and he gets up and suddenly last one flying saucer and the villain goes and then everybody comes police and doctors and he's saved so see ultimately who can escape truth is too powerful it doesn't press itself because if it does that creation will go away when mother was asked mother why doesn't truth and justice manifest themselves truth can conquer falsehood why doesn't it conquer he says if truth came in its full splendor all of you will go away who can say there is no falsehood who can say that who has never ever had falsehood inside so first let us work so truth remains in the background but whenever the crisis reaches a point of no return truth intervenes and that's what we see the avatars but otherwise it sends its angels people who will work for it but if the game goes to a breaking point it truth comes you see the two adverbs we have if we believe that ramayana and mahabharata are myths look at the two world wars humanity came from a breaking point of course this time we know it is shurabindu and the mother who intervened and sitting in one room their intervention could completely change the course of events so that is the power of truth so arise from the heart of the yearning that sobs in nature's abyss it sobs for that love make earth the home of the wonderful and life beatitudes kiss this life is meant to be divine it's meant to be a disclosure of the wonderful it's not meant for thodi khushi thoda gham divine original plan is not that he wants people to suffer some people make a gospel of that he wants us to suffer so that we can remember him what a monstrous being he would be no who wants us to suffer as if wo karmo ki bhatti mein jhok diya ab tum jhelo you know you bear with it no not at all that's not the purpose 
even if hell he creates he creates out of love as a shortcut to his doors so life must be a beautiful unfolding without pain struggle or suffering and this was the original plan and this is what supramental creation is meant to bring about the unfolding will continue but the difference between evolution now and then is now it is a painful evolution with struggle and it is going from asadoma sadgamya tamasoma jyotirgamya mrityorma amritamgamya going from darkness to light then it will be from joy to greater joy from love to greater love from freedom to greater freedom from bliss to greater bliss that big difference that life will be a spontaneous beautiful joyous happy outpouring flowering of the divine will in man so we'll read this poem fully once rose of god rose of god vermilion stain on the sapphires of heaven rose of bliss fire sweet seven tinged with the ecstasy seven leap up in our heart of humanhood o miracle o flame passion flower of the nameless bud of the mystical name rose of god great wisdom bloom on the summits of being rose of light immaculate core of the ultimate seeing live in the mind of our earthhood o gold and mystery flower sun on the head of the timeless guest of the marvelous hour rose of god damask force of infinity red icon of might rose of par with thy diamond halo piercing the night a blaze in the will of the mortal design the wonder of thy plan image of immortality outbreak of the godhead in man rose of god smitten purple with the incarnate divine desire rose of life crowded with petals colors lyre transform the body of the mortal like a sweet and magical rhyme bridge our earthhood and heavenhood make deathless the children of time rose of god like a blush of rapture on eternity's face rose of love ruby depth of all being fire passion of grace arise from the heart of the yearning that sobs in nature's abyss make earth the home of the wonderful and life beatitudes kiss